The message you're about to listen to is a recording from God's favorite house. It is our prayer that you listen, your life will be transformed, and you will be taken to greater heights in your walk with Jesus. Amen. God bless you as you listen to this message. Father, today, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, we thank you for your kindness towards us. Thank you for keeping us. Lord, everyone present in this place, everyone joining us over the internet, my Father, do in our lives that which eyes have not seen, that which ears have not heard, that which has not even begun to enter into the hearts of men. Lord, everyone in this place, my Father, that has been stretching and reaching to attain, to grasp, Lord, in the name of Jesus, you will lift them up and their hands will be able to receive that which they are stretching for in the mighty name of Jesus. Everything you have put in our hearts, you will put in our hands. And your name will be glorified. Honor and glory we give unto you. Honor and glory we give unto you, Father. Honor and glory we give unto you. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Good morning again, everybody. So today we are in part two of I Love My Church. And you will see some beautiful people and some handsome men wearing this t-shirt. Look around you. Look around you. You can see them. You can see them. These people are super duper anointed. People. <laughs> now, now, now. Don't feel jealous. You can get your own t-shirt outside also. <laughs> I joined the super duper anointed crew. Praise the name of the Lord. And, and like, as you are aware, we, we, we have this, um, I love my church at the Thanksgiving services. Um, we'll see how far we go this year. And this is the second time we're having it. And, and this is part two. Thank you, guys. Um, the zeal for service will not depart from your life. <laughs> and this is part two of I Love My Church. And you would agree with me that the most, um, if, if, if we were to talk about the most creative department in church um, on, for as far as I love my church is concerned, we'll give it readily to the true worshipers. <laughs> Praise the name of the Lord. They are just super amazing. Super amazing crew. Super talented, too. Okay, so um, the last time, part one, we explained that you know, I, had to, I, I, I was thinking, okay, I love my church. Okay, well, what are the reasons? Why do you love Gospel Free House so much? If I wasn't the pastor of Gospel Free House, I will be attending Gospel Free House. Praise the name of the Lord. That's how much I love the church, this church. Praise, praise God. So I, I said to myself, okay, so why? You know, so I, I began to enumerate, I mean, a couple of things, and, you know, there are a lot. So we shared seven um, last week, and, 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 I, and I did say, I love my church, and this actually is true for a lot of us, you know, if not all of us. I love my church because Jesus loves his church, and God's favorite house belongs to Jesus. Hallelujah. And, and that is just so beautiful. And number two, we said, I love my church because GFH is caring. You know, if you want to listen to the message, 
I'll encourage you actually to listen to the message. It's on YouTube. You can listen to it. It's free and, and, and be on the same page with everybody. And number three, we said, I love my church because God's favorite house is diverse. It's diverse. We have people from different nationalities. Okay. Different nationalities, you know, different <laughs> as places of the world. We have people that are, are short, people that are tall, people that are slim, people that are endowed, people that are, you know, we have whites, we have blacks, we have colored uh, skins. In fact, today we are having baby dedication, two baby dedication, one here and another baby dedication here live, and the person is from where again? Where they are locally, physically located? India. Praise God. Yeah. GFH is diverse. Number three, number four, we, we, I love GFH because Gospel with House is not about us. It's, 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 it's about Jesus. We are the church and we exist for the world. Praise the Lord. And number five, I said I love GFH because GFH is fruitful. God's favorite house is fruitful. We are fruitful spiritually, you know. And we talked about the number of people that by God's grace keep giving their lives to Jesus, recommitting to Christ. We are fruitful even biologically, you know. We have people are born in twins, born in triplets, born in, you know. I mean, <laughs> you know. <laughs> you know. And we are grateful to God for that. Praise God. And we, we did say that uh, GFH is prophetically responsive. We receive a prophetic word, boom, and it begins to manifest in our lives. And it's so beautiful. And um, number seven, we shared that GFH is a safe place. GFH is a safe place. So today, you know, um, that is why I love my church. And from today, we will be looking at how to love the church. How to love my church. How can I love my church? And we are starting with by connecting with other believers. So I love my church today by connecting with other believers. Why? Because we love one another when we stand alongside one, an one another. Being connected with one another is ensuring no one stands alone. I love my church because I love my church by, rather, connecting with other people. And ensuring no one stands alone. We take a text from Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews 10. Hebrews chapter 10 from verse 19. The word of God says that, Therefore, brothers and sisters. I would say brothers and sisters. Even the terminology talks about, you know, connection, you know. Since we have confidence to enter the most holy place, by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain that is his body. And since we have a great priest over 
The house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with a, and with a full assurance, rather, that faith brings having our hearts sprinkled with sprinkled to cleanse us from all guilty conscience and having our bodies, you know, the King James Version that, I've, that I have memorized is getting in the way of, of the NIV. And having our bodies washed with pure water, let us hold unwaveringly to the hope we profess. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider, everybody say consider. Let us consider how we may spur one another towards love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. We all have, well, most of us have fences at home. We all have fences around our houses. We should have fences. <laughs> if you are living on this part of the world, you know, you should. You know, and, you know, and fences, the fence does something to us. You know, the fence keeps some things out and keeps some things in, right? Once, once you have a fence, once you have a perimeter fence, you know, some things are kept out and some things are what? Are kept in. And growing up, I remember one of the houses we stayed, I mean, while growing up at, at K2, we had a fence around the house. And, you know, for me to go and play football, I would have to jump the fence because I dare not take the front gate because my mom would catch me. So when no one is looking, I go to the back, I jump the fence, and I go to play football, and I jump the fence back, and my cane is waiting for me. <laughs> you know, I, I, I know the cane is waiting, so I will enjoy the football thoroughly. <laughs> Praise God. But one thing about the fence that we had, you see, the house, back then, there was the gate in front, the front gate, then there was this driveway, and the driveway had, it's big, and it, it leads to the garage, and there's a walkway by the side that goes to the kitchen. Now, when you come into the compound of the house, and you pass the garage, and you have to turn to go into the kitchen, because at the back is the backyard. So even though there was no fence separating that walkway from the backyard, we had an imaginary fence. Nobody was allowed. No visitor. When you come to our house, when you get to that point, you have to turn right, enter the kitchen, and enter the house. You are not allowed to go to the backyard. Do you know why? Because in the front, everywhere is swept. The grass is cut. At the back, that is where we spread our laundry. 
That is where we have Orishi Rishi going on. We have the tires. We have the plates I have refused to wash. They are stashed there. We have, you know, so it is just a messy place. Not too messy, but quite messy that you don't want your visitors to come in. And thinking about it, there was no fence there, but there was a fence there. If you are new to our house, there was no way we were going to take you there. There was absolutely no way. And many of us, if you think back, you have such places. It may not be as like a fence. You have some places in your house, maybe growing up, maybe even right now, you have such places. You should, perhaps, where nobody else can come to. Nobody else can cross. And in our lives, many times, we have those fences, and those fences are real, even though not, not visible. Those fences are effective, even though not visible. But here's the deal. God doesn't want us to have fences. Why? Because God himself doesn't like fences. Praise God. <laughs> So, Pastor, what are you saying? I'm saying, God is saying that at the least, that backyard should be accessible to some people, if not to everybody. Praise the name of the Lord. The problem with us is that that backyard, nobody must see it. Some people, not even their spouses. Not even their spouses must see it. That backyard. Sometimes that backyard is, you know, is something physical. You are with your spouse in the room and you say, put off the light. You must put off the light. Why? Why are you putting off the light? Because there's something in the backyard. Quote and unquote that you are ashamed of or you are embarrassed by. Or maybe when the light was on, you have been mocked by. And you're like, no, 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 I'm not comfortable. Even showing the closest person to me this backyard. So to, to love our church by connecting to others, we have to do three things. Number one, we have to know that Jesus destroyed the fence. Praise the name of the Lord. Jesus destroyed the fence. So the fence that we have between us and God, Jesus, Jesus destroyed it. Jesus did not open the gates and open the fence for us. Jesus actually destroyed it. In Hebrews, 19, um, Hebrews 10, 19 to 22, Hebrews 10, 
19 to 20, that we read. It says, therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have the, uh, the confidence to enter into the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, open for us through the cutting that is body. Now, today we're going to have communion. On your way out, uh, when we are done, we're going to have communion. What happened was that the body of Jesus was torn apart, was broken, like we were explaining yesterday, so that we can have access to the presence of God. What, how does that play out? The body of Jesus was broken so that the life of God can be available to us. The life that is in the blood, the life of the being is in the blood. So the life of God is not open and available until the body of Jesus was broken and shed. Praise the name of the Lord. And, and that is what is done for us. And since we have this great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart. So God doesn't want offense. God doesn't want offense. You know, you're like, but you know, there's certain aspects of, of our lives that we are not comfortable with for anyone to access. But God is not like that. God is saying, I don't even want, I want you to come into the innermost chamber of my bedroom. It's called the Holy of Holies. So what happened was this. Before Jesus came, we all had to be behind the veil. Praise the name of the Lord. So, so I'm sure you can see me a little bit. What am I doing now? What am I doing now? Okay, now can you see the expression on my face? Am I smiling? No, I'm not frowning. <laughs> you know? Can you see if I'm winking? So the details of my body language, the details of my person, the expression on my face, even though we, we see vaguely the expression on our faces, on his face, rather, we cannot see. There was a, there's a veil, there's a fence between us and God. And I can stay here and preach this sermon from the beginning to the end. You will hear me, but you will not really see me. And the further you are from the veil, the worse it becomes. And many times we are living our lives like this with God. We come to a place where we have a, we can see a semblance of him, but we, we don't have a face-to-face. -face. We can't, we don't have that face-to-face -face with him. And we are, we are like, I don't even know if he's smiling at me. I don't even know if God is frowning at me. So that's why many times we think God is angry at us when God is actually not angry at us. Many times you think God is upset when he's actually smiling. So when Jesus came, Jesus could have pulled back the veil. 
so that you see God's face. But Jesus did not pull back the veil. You know what Jesus did? He told the veil. Hallelujah. Completely. Now, when the veil is torn, the Bible says from top to bottom, right? It's in the Bible. So, so there is no, the fence was totally destroyed. Completely. So, by the new and living way, we come into your holy place. We come to worship you with all of our heart. We come to worship you. So, so we see that God doesn't want to have a backyard that we as children cannot enter. God doesn't want to have a room that we cannot enter. God wants us that when we come, we come straight in. Now, if you look at me now, can you see what am I, am I smiling? I'm trying to frown. Oh, there are some people in church that they, they, they used to be here. When I see them, I just frown automatically. They're not here anymore. <laughs> All the people I'm seeing here are making me smile. Now, the point, the, <laughs> the, the point is this. The point is this. The point is this. God wants you and I to have unfettered access to him. Jesus completely destroyed the fence between God and us. Completely. Comple Jesus did not open it. He did not break it small. He tore it apart completely. And if you are here today, you feel in your work with God, there's a distance between you and God. I want you to know that that distance can be taken care of today. Romans 3, 23, for all have seen and come short of the glory of God. So the fence between your, um, um, all of us was there. We all had a fence. We all had a fence, all of us. Guess what? Romans 6, 23 tells us that because of that fence, we will never Get to see God because the wages of sin is death. However, Romans 5 8 says, <laughs> even while we were yet without strength, God knew we'd have a big fence even before we were born, even before we had the yard. God knew that we, we, have, we would have the fence. Guess what? By Romans 10 9 to 10, it says, if we just admit that we have a fence, and we need it turned. Jesus crashes that fence and destroys it. If we will admit that we are sinners in need of a savior, if we admit that we need Jesus and accept him, our fence will come crashing down. And, of course, he says to us in Romans 10, 13, that he will never deny any fence-crashing job. <laughs> Jesus is in a fence-crashing job. There, no one that comes to him 
will he turn back? So God is saying to us, have you ever acknowledged that you need Jesus? Have you ever acknowledged, you may even be a child of God, sometimes we stray. Have you ever acknowledged that, oh, I'm not where I used to be, or I'm not where I ought to be, or this is what God asked for me, this is what has been burning in my heart, this is the level God wants me to be in, but I am not there. Guess what? It is the same acknowledgement that will open that level to you. Because the price has been paid. Jesus already died. He wants to access your life, both the front yard and what? And the backyard. Jesus wants to get access to it. Will you open the door? So the first thing we see that, that God totally destroyed the fence between us. Now, guess what? To love my church by connecting to others, the first thing I need to know is that Jesus already destroyed the fence. The second thing I need to know to love my church by connecting with others is this. I need to allow others in. Many times, we do a lot of things behind the fence. You meet people who say, how are you doing? Oh, I'm fine. Oh, how are you doing today? Oh, I'm good. But they are not good. Why? They are behind the fence. And this face mask thing is not even helping us. You don't know who is really in pain. You don't know who is smiling. You don't know who. And should I confess? Personally also, there have been times that I was actually happy I needed to have face mask on to talk to some people. I was very happy. Okay, now, anybody like me, has that ever happened to you? Okay, no, 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 confession time. Yeah, yeah. A lot of us, I'm like, ah, thank God for this face mask. You know, thank God for this face mask. Because, because my, my facial expressions will have given me away. But the face mask shielded me. And you see, many times we are operating behind the fence. Even though God destroyed the fence between him and us, we still attempt to build fences with ourselves and others. We attempt to, you know, the, 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 the crazy thing about what we do is that sometimes we even take part of what Jesus has done. We come and we take part of this veil that is sun by Jesus once and for all and we hold our piece of it and when we show up in church we have our bandana on and we have our face mask on the same thing how do I know how do I know it is the finished work because we hide under scriptures you know people use scriptures to be hypocrites they use the Bible to be hypocrites so they, they take something from the law, the law, the law that was done away with, that was turned from the top to the bottom, and they, 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 they tie it on their band, and when it is time, they put it off, <laughs> and they say, ah, uh, it is well, my brother, it is well, the Lord is good all the time, the Lord is good all the time, all the time, the Lord is good. You're behind a veil. You're behind a veil.
And when you are using Christianese, the things that have been torn, you sound pious. You sound self-righteous. You sound spiritual. But you are living a hypocritical life behind the veil. The same thing that God came to destroy. It is the same things that we take as ammunition. So what are you saying, Pastor? What I'm saying is that if we are going to truly love our church, then we must in- intentionally love our church. Now, okay, so what am I saying? So if we are going to truly love our church, we must be intentional about it in loving our church, which means, and when I mean church, I'm not talking about programs. I'm not talking about buildings. I'm talking about people. If I'm going to love my church, I'm going to be intentional about loving the people. Everybody say people. And guess what? <laughs> loving each other is impossible to do behind the fence. It's impossible. It's impossible. It's impossible. Behind the fence, it's impossible. For those of you that are married, have you tried kissing your spouse with your face mask on? How did that go? <laughs> it's impossible to do that, you know, without a, behind the fence. And that is what we do all the time. God is saying to you, stop this thing. Put it down. And you say, but pastor, let's be realistic. I have been hurt many times. Listen, I've been saved by God's grace since 1995, right? Yeah, 95. I started serving actively in 1996. And from 1996, 1995 till date, I've not left church one day. <laughs> Praise God. I have seen the good, I've seen the bad, I've seen the ugly, and I've seen the very ugly. But one thing stands sure, Jesus died for people. Jesus loves people. <laughs> Jesus died for his church. Jesus loves his church. And guess what? Jesus expects me. So, but Pastor, I have been betrayed. So have I. But still not an excuse. Oh, but Pastor, you don't understand. People will lie about you. Uh-huh, 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 uh-huh. But still not an excuse. But pastor, you don't get it. You know, church folks are dangerous. <laughs> Listen, church folks are human. Humans are dangerous. It's not because they are church folks that they are dangerous. They are dangerous because they are humans. And we are all work in progress. All of us. All of us. Just... This morning, you know, <laughs> earlier hours of this morning, you know, God was saying to me that look at Peter. And I was like, okay. 
And it took me on the journey on how close Peter was to Jesus and how Peter denied Jesus three times. He even sweat. And Jesus was in the same compound. On the third time, when he sweat, Gaskia will lie. If I, on my, if I know this guy, let thunder strike him. You know? That's what he sweat. And the cock crowed, and Jesus looked at him. You know what, you know what Jesus said to me today? Do you know that that guy was still my, one of my best guys? Even after he did that to me. How did you think I felt when he did that to me? I was weak. I was weak. You say, you say they denied you. Have, you have, they, have they pulled your beard? <laughs> have they slapped you? Have they nailed you to the cross? If Peter can become the same guy that preached a sermon that 3,000 people gave their life to Jesus, just weeks after, who are we to write people off? He said to me, uh-huh, so? Uh-huh, they did, uh-huh, so? Uh-huh, we have an obligation to love Peter because Jesus loved. Do, do you know the, the, the next encounter that Jesus had with Peter and Co? Jesus was making food for them, breakfast. And they did not put sniper inside. <laughs> Some of us just say, ah, Peter, this is your fish. I baked it personally. Don't share it with anybody. This is your Peter. <laughs> Sniper. Chop and die. <laughs> but Jesus did not do that. Jesus made up cakes for them and said, you know, guys, yeah, it, it is. Have fun. So what has been done to you? That's a clear, I mean, I was just weak. Because it was a visual journey it took me on. I was weak completely. You mean? What are you trying to say here, Lord? <laughs> are you trying to say that the Peters of this world? Exactly. That's what I'm trying to say. Then we had a conversation on, it went for that. On, so, so I asked the question, actually. So I said, eh, what about Judas? <laughs> and the answer was pretty clear. Because the difference between Peter and Judas was one repented, one was remorseful. To be remorseful about an offense is not repentance. Remorseful will lead you to suicide. Repentance will lead you to God. Judas couldn't take it. His pride, his ego. You know, I used to be one of the 12. He had to go and hang himself. He couldn't stand it. 
Oh, every time they look at me, they, they are talking about me. Oh, it's me they are talking about. Is you? Really? Is you they are talking about? You know, people leave their house, come to church, and want to talk about you. Wow, you must be very important. Praise God. So we see that God is saying to us, <clears throat> no excuse, verse 25, John 10. John 10. Verse 25. Sorry, Hebrews 10. 25. 25 says, not giving up. <laughs> so because I said John 12, you don't want to bring it up. Don't you know that people can make mistakes? <laughs> Look at these people. <laughs> we, look, we said we'll be looking at Hebrews 10 today. Not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. You see, that word not giving up is big, it's huge. It says, but encouraging one another. Not giving up means you will have occasions you want to give up. Not giving up means that there are things that will be done to you that you're like, I'm, I've, I've, I've zeroed this person. You know, have you heard, there's a zero generation, right? They just zero you. They cancel you. No, it's called the cancel generation. Yeah, I cancel this person. God says, not canceling one another. God says, don't cancel anybody. Don't zero anybody. When you don't give up, miracles happen. Healings happen when you don't give up. Forgiveness happens when you don't give up. Have you noticed that, check, and I won't, I, I'm not saying this is a must, you must do it. No, 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 no. Just, you know, check couples that say that they will eat together from the same plate. It's a very tough decision for couples to make. When couples say we will eat together from the same place till we die, it's difficult for them to fight for an extended period of time because they are eating from the same plate. <laughs> if you've not been married, you don't understand what I'm saying. If you've been married, you, you know it can be very hard because sometimes you don't even want to see the person's face. <laughs> then, same plate. Try it for six months. And let me know what happens. <laughs> it from, so couples are eat from the same plate. They, they, ended, they end up sorting matters out because you have to accept they break that code. If they don't break it, it's going to be resolved. Praise the name of the Lord. So, so pastor, I should not give up. Yes, don't give up. Because Doing life together means standing in someone's yard and allowing them stand in your yard. Standing in their, in, in their compound, standing at their backyard, that backyard that is messy. It goes beyond Sunday. But that backyard is messy, but it's okay. I mean, growing up, we had some friends that we can bring into our backyard, Right? You don't have to fix the backyard. You know, Pastor Kuna and I grew up in the same neighborhood. We had a, we had a mutual friend, um, you know, Biodo Ali back then. Biodo was pretty close to me. You know, Biodo, when it comes to my house, we go straight to the boys' quarter. We, some people, when they come to your house, you're you are packing the panties that you have hanged. 
you don't want them to see it. You're putting on that. You know, you know, you know. Those are not the people I'm talking about. God wants you to have people that when they come into your backyard, you are not fixing anything. When people, let's even take your living room. When you invite someone to come to your living room and you and they say they are at the estate gate and you are you, you are arranging things, that relationship is not okay. No, that is not okay. That is not, uh, that relationship is not where. Uh, but you understand, <laughs> it doesn't get where the relationship is where it's supposed to be, and they said by the gate, hey, be coming now. So when they get into your house, you open the door, you walk to the living room. The pillows are on the floor. If I, you even sit on the floor, you are okay. Praise the name of the Lord. So the question to you this morning is, whose yard are you in? If you want to live a life, a Christian life, that you want to be a solo person, you're only me allowed in my yard, you are going to live a frustrated, confused, dark life. Because that's not how God has designed it. Whose yard are you in? And, and obviously, the follow-up question to that is, who are you allowing into your yard? Who are you allowing into your yard? Now, I shouldn't be the one encouraging anybody to allow anybody into their yard. If you know what I've been through in the past <laughs> X number of months. But that is how God is. That's how God works. My experience cannot change God's word. In fact, my healing comes when I obey God's word. President of the Lord. Many times we want to form a shell around ourselves. We want to build a wall around ourselves. And God says, no. Femi, you're going to live your life to the fullest. You're not going to build any wall. You're not going to suspect people. Praise the name of the Lord. <laughs> so we see that <clears throat> to truly love your church you have to love someone in your church. That doesn't mean everybody. That doesn't mean you should translate, you have to become a super social, you know, extrovert, you know, a butterfly. No. What it means is that we don't live in isolation. That's what it means. You don't live in isolation. That's what it means. So we see that to love my church, I need to connect to the people in my church. Number one, for that to happen, I need to realize that Jesus already smashed the fence. Number two, I need to do what? Allows other, allow others in. And number three, I need to just enjoy it. Enjoy the company. Your yard is messy. It's okay. Their own yard too is messy. Enjoy the company. Imagine as a kid, you went to a party, a birthday party, where the host has planned 
nothing. Imagine as a kid going to party, there's no Coke, there's no Fanta. I'm not, I'm not pushing any brand here, but any party that there's no Coke and Fanta, party has not happened. There has to be Coke and, and Fanta. There's no bouncy castle, there's no face painting, there's no jollof rice, uh, uh, there's no chicken, there's no dodo, there's no, I mean, and you get into such a house and they're not giving you popcorn. They, they are putting music, they say, okay, be dancing. You're like dancing for who? <laughs> Something is wrong. If, as a child, you would detest that. And that is how it is. God is saying to us, by the time you look at verse 24 of that passage of scripture, verse 24, it says that, let us consider. That's what consider means. Let us be deliberate. Let us be intentional. Let us consider how we spur one another towards love and good deeds. Let us consider, another transition says, how we stimulate I will put the Fanta there. I will put the Coke there. I will put the Jollof fries there. And we are intentional about the bouncing castle. And we are intentional about the face painting. I will actually make the party rock. Let us consider. Let us contemplate. Let us strategize. Let us plan. That's what the word of God says. Same word. So, living in another person's yard Without fences, it's going to take vulnerability and it's going to take intentionality. You are going to be vulnerable, but you are going to be intentional. You are going to be intentional. So as we pull the curtain today, I mean, I don't mean the curtain, <laughs> like literally, as, it, as we wrap up today. The curtain has been torn anyway, you can't pull it anymore. Hallelujah. Let's put it, that's what I ask God for the love for. Turn veil, turn curtain. So as, 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 as I love my church by connecting with others, those three practical things that will help us is, number one, I have, I must have healthy expectations. I shouldn't expect that Everybody will be interested in my yard. Neither should I expect to be in everybody's yard. But there must be a handful of people that have access to your yard and you have access to their yard. I must have a healthy expectation. That's the first thing. The second thing is goes side by side with this, and that is, I, I must understand that, you know, uh, baby steps are okay. I must realize that baby steps are okay. For some people, you know, back in the day, some people, when they come to see us, we don't actually open the gate for them. We talk to them across the gate. I don't know, did it happen to you when you were growing up? You talk to them across the gate. They can, you can even be there for five, ten minutes, talking to them. You can even exchange video games. They give you a cartridge, you give them a cartridge. They go but they don't come into your house. But some, you get into the compound, you can play football in, in front, you know. Some can come into the garage. Some can enter 
through the kitchen. But very few will go. And we should understand that baby steps are okay. The key thing is that we are deliberate about connecting. And number three, we must take ownership. We must take ownership. We must take ownership. So here we are. Jesus has destroyed the fence. We are about to allow people in and enjoy the company. If you are saying, Pastor, God is veiled to me. Even when I read the Bible, it's like veiled to me. It's like there's a covering. I don't even understand the Bible when I read it. God is veiled to me. I don't have a relationship with God. I, can, can you pray with me? I want the, the veil turned today. Yes, I want to pray with you. Let's bow our hearts and let's bow our heads. If you're in that category, I'd say, Pastor, pray with me. Should I come forward? No, you don't need to come forward. I'll pray with you wherever you're seated. Or you may even be online. You're saying, Pastor, that is me also. I used to be with God, but I'm not with God anymore. I want the veil torn. Wherever you're seated. I want you to put your hands up over your head now. Put it up quickly, and I'll pray with you wherever you are. God bless you. If I put up your hand, put up your hand. Well, well, God bless you. There's a hand there. There's a hand there. Keep the hands up. God bless you. Another hand there. God bless you. Keep the hands up. Another hand there. God bless you. Keep the hands up. Another hand over there. God bless you. Keep the hands up. God bless you. Another hand over there. Keep the hands up and take a card. Once you have a card, you can put on your hand. Even if you're in the overflow, I mean in the foyer, you know, you can put up your hand. And, and if you're online, just put up your hand. God sees you and you can put it back down. The rest of us, let's just say, Father, we thank you. Lord, we give you praise. Lord, we pray for everyone that is surrendered to you today. We ask in the name of Jesus that as the veil is turned, Lord, that you reveal yourselves to them. And your name and your name alone will be glorified. Honor and glory we give unto you, Father. Honor and glory we give unto you. In Jesus' mighty name, we are prayed. Amen. Let's put our hands together for the Lord Jesus for his goodness and kindness towards us.